This podcast addresses death, difficult emotional content, and contains profanity. Listen with your own motherfucking discretion. (laughs) (laughs) Get your kids. This is Grief After Dark. I know it's been forever. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Grief After Dark, our very first rando sode. <laughs> it's so rando. Rando sode number one. Yeah, we missed each other and we just, you know, don't know how to act. It's true. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Well, may I set the stage, D? You may. Yes. Okay, I'm I'm thinking stage left giant dumpster fire. <laughs> no, no. What happened was I had this thing that kept coming up and I really wanted to talk to D about it and then I did and we really wanted to talk to all of you about it because it seemed monumentally important, but I've never really heard a podcast release bonus episodes between seasons and we're working towards season two. And I'm like, well, can we do that in between the seasons? And then it occurs to me, this is grief after fucking dark and we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever the fuck we want to be doing. And here we are fucking doing it. (laughs) And I am excited to have this conversation in full with you because we kind of just touched on it. Right. Totally. I am too. So Here's the beginning-ish. March 27th, 2020. My good, good friend, Brene Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Our good, good friend. (laughs) We've never met, but she's been a good friend to me. Um, She releases an episode on her podcast, Unlocking Us, about comparative suffering. Which, I mean, you can probably put it together just with those two words. The concept, the gist is looking at your suffering in relation to the suffering of others, be it more or less. And it reminded me a bit of what we talked about in our anchors episode in season one with the stoic definition of anchoring and how it can be a source of gratitude. It can also be disastrously belittling to your own experience yeah. Uh, and please, I would really, really recommend, especially if this resonates with you, even if it doesn't, odds are good. Somebody you know and love has experienced this. Go listen to that episode. She mm-hmm. puts it so well. It's so beautiful. She's talking about it a lot in relation to what we were going through in the midst of uh, the pandemic. And it's great. So then fast forward, May 30th, 2021. Uh, There's an episode of This American Life. It's episode 738. It's called Good Grief. So, 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 so good. One of the stories that they cover is with activist Janelle Austin, and she's in Minneapolis, and she was tending to the George Floyd memorial site. Mm -hmm. And she had a lot of encounters with a lot of people that were coming through there. And one day this guy approaches her and you know, they're, they get to talk in and he says he, he had lost his mom. His mom died. His son was in surgery. And he's like, but none of that compares to what we're dealing with here. And she was like, and I'm going to quote her. She says, no, 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 you don't get to do that. Grief is grief. Loss is loss. It's not about comparing losses. 
your loss is your loss and we can hold that too. Then we're putting together season two. We're going to bring a lot of people in on season two. We're going to be doing lots of interviews. We're going to talk about some really cool shit with some really cool people. Other people's experience in grief, people who work with others in helping them process grief, tra-la-la. One of the people that I'm interested in, in talking with is Tim, editor and husband extraordinaire, because he suffered a real, actual loss but it was, nobody died. Right. His band broke up essentially. And it took a long, long, long time to process. And he wrote a fucking book about it. Mm -hmm. And so I pitched the idea at interviewing him and he was just like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm into it. Let me think about it. I'm like, okay, cool. So a lot of time goes by, we're camping and you know, that's where all the best conversations happen is like sitting in a lawn chair next to a river. Right. And I'm like, out of curiosity, why, what's your hesitation with doing this interview with us? And he was like, well, it just feels dumb compared to the other shit you guys are talking about. Like, I didn't have a kid die. And I was like, whoa, 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 total comparative suffering. And it really struck me because I know I've done this on a multitude of levels And I've talked to a lot of people that I know about this since. And every single friend and family member that I have discussed this with has done it. We take our grief. And I know that there's people out there that like sort of, they like expand their grief into this big all-encompassing thing. And, you know, sometimes it's counterproductive. Sometimes it's for attention. Sometimes it's, they don't know how to process their own shit. So I think what more often, and maybe especially with some pretty fucking well-adjusted individuals is we are in just a ton of emotional turmoil over this, that, and the other. And then we start fucking shaming ourselves about it because I can, I can look at anything bad that I've ever been through and been like, well, people have been through much worse. As wild as this sounds, there's people who have been through worse shit that I've been through, but I'm not sitting around pretending like the shit that I'm going through didn't fucking destroy me. Like I'm not those people. Those people aren't me. And right. there's room for all this shit to be awful. And that's, that's it. Like, I have been heartbroken over a man. I have been heartbroken over my parents. I have been heartbroken over, you know, my kids. Heartbroken over many, many things. And they're very different, each of them. They're very different things because I don't love them all the same way. And I can't even compare those things to each other. I All I can do right. is really recognize the differences in the ways that I'm grieving them. and And it has to be okay. Yeah. I mean, look, I was, I was trying to do something yesterday morning before I went to work and the computer wasn't working. And I was literally sitting here yelling at my computer. Shit has to be in perspective. Like you can't be freaking out over every little thing, but like also sometimes things compound. And if I've got a lot of other things going on, a glitch in the computer is going to set me off differently than on a day where I don't feel a whole lot of other things. Right. I just experienced that too. Like 
I have had a poor attitude for a couple weeks now, and uh, I've been trying really hard not to let it spill out onto other aspects of my life. So like in, into other relationships. So like I'm trying not to holler at the kids when I don't really need to holler at the kids when I'm really upset with, uh, you know, an interaction that happened with somebody else or like, you know, I'm disappointed because I didn't get into, you know, something that I submitted for, or I'm feeling some kind of way I'm feeling invisible or I'm feeling, um, neglected or, you know, like a burden to people. Like if I'm just, if, if I weren't here, if I weren't in everybody's way, they'd be really flourishing and doing a whole lot of things if I was just not in the way. Hmm. So I was triggered a couple of weeks ago. And then that kind of spilled over into all these other things. And it was just like, you know, and then I, I get into the mode where I have to like check in with people. And I know that like people who start looking at me sideways, like, are you all right? Like, wh- why are you asking me this silly question? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're cool. You know, I love you. And you know, like, you, you know, it's all right. Right. And, but I have to do it anyway. But what I realized is that that's an old wound for me. That's a really old wound for me. I was neglected by one of the most important people in my lifetime for my entire life. So I never felt important. Yeah. And I under like, and I feel it immediately when people take advantage of my time, when they take advantage of my niceness, when they take advantage and just like, you know, whether, and, and they could be on their bullshit, but the key here is communication. And a lot of people don't really communicate that they're on their bullshit. And it's just some shit that they do or they they don't explain. They don't like preface that with anything. So in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just doing too much as usual. Maybe I'm just codependent. Maybe I'm just like, you know, like giving, giving, giving for the sake of giving. And I'm not I'm getting very little return on on the things that I'm giving. And like I'm asking for too much. And so that's been a running theme in my life. My whole life is that. If I'm not doing it for myself, I'm asking for too much. So that's a trap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's a hell of a trap because other people don't know this about me. Well, they do now. Welcome to the party. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party. Um, And the flip side of the coin is that like now that you know, don't fucking do that shit to me anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just to just say, hey, you know, be straight, be straight. I can show up or I can't show up and go on about your business. I like that. We don't have to do anything. Other. You don't have to explain. You don't have to do extra. Just say, yes, I can be there. And then we're not attaching it to my worth. We're not attaching it to their worth. We're not attaching it to any other thing. Yeah. Well, and I know that this is something that I've brought up over and over again, too. We're all such complicated beasts. Mm hmm. I don't know how often it is that people are even aware of being in their bullshit. I don't know how often I'm aware. Well, we've spent a lot of time yeah, in the luxury of not having to be aware. And I think now we're coming to this, this precipice of deal with your shit. Like I know a lot of the, the moms that I know, are really trying to parent differently and parent from a different place, but still we all end up parenting from our wounds, which, you know, we have to really 
kind of acknowledge that. And that was one of the things that I really needed to acknowledge for myself as a parent. It's like, I don't actually want a parent from all these fucking wounds, man. My kids are still going to end up fucked up (laughs) as good as I'm trying to be to them. You know, they're still going to have some gaping wounds because I'm always acting from a wounded place. Mm. Always. <laughs> like, I have to stop doing that in order to turn the stone. Yeah. And that's what's so sort of alarming to me about the concept of comparative suffering or comparative grief is in order for you to really be realistic about your experience and how you individually are processing said experience, there's no room for comparison in that. I mean, you can use it as a bit of a scale to see if you're just way off base. I mean, am am I fucking totally overreacting about this or am I on the polar opposite end Am I suppressing shit? Am I not reacting to something that I probably should? But it's so like as a gauge, fine. But like as a fucking textbook on how to respond and what isn't, isn't okay to feel bad about. You can't do that comparatively. Right. Like I, I, I don't, I don't feel bad about, you know, losing my socks and shit, but when it's on top of <laughs> like me failing as a parent or, you know, not, you know, missing the mark with a lot of the things or whatever. And it's like a cycle that I'm, I'm going through or whatever, losing my socks or the computer fucking up. It's like, you know, I can't do anything right. Like no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I can't get this right. And this is very frustrating and this is devastating. And this reminds me of that wound from when I was, you know, a newborn or when I was four or, you know, every single age that, you know, somebody didn't show up for me. Yeah. So anytime people don't show up for me and whether they know it or not, whether they know that they have engaged with me on this level of, of consciousness, it's like, if you tell me you're going to be there, I'd really like for you to just be there or tell me that you can't be there. Don't wait till the last minute to tell me, hey, I can't make it or don't be perpetually silent about my existence per per se you know like if I'm in your family and I ask you to share time with me and you never respond that triggers me and it also puts me in the position to where I have to decide whether I'm going to hold this space open for you to be there or not or not because the space could be being filled by someone who's happy to be there And it's mental space. It's not physical space. It's mental space. And heart space too. Right. So I'm always thinking, but well, did I do something wrong? Did I fucking offend you? Did I like, you know, then I got to go home and overthink it (laughs) and like really, like really, really think about every single thing that I ever said to these people or whatever the fuck ever. Like, I'm so sorry that I offended you. And and if I offended you, let me make it right or whatever. Or if I offended you, then you just don't have to be offended and fix whatever the fuck you need to fix. Um, But holding that space open takes an incredible amount of energy. And and it takes an incredible amount of energy that I don't fucking have. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people in my life that I have 
space for and that I'm holding this space for, that we're all holding this space for. So it's not just me. So when people say that they're exhausted, believe them. Just because you can't see what the physical space is actually doesn't mean that they're not thinking about you. It doesn't mean that they're not um, wondering how you are, how your heart is, or, you know, what you're doing during your day, or that they're not going to be devastated if you fucking drop dead. Also along the lines of the disaster side of comparative grief, if somebody says they're exhausted, maybe don't be super quick to judge them because of how you think you would be handling the scenario. Because right. quite because often it's I, imaginary I, for you. Yeah. It, if well, you've never been through it. And I mean, you, I mean, here we are like pouring our fucking lives out over the internet machine but, like, <laughs> right? in our, in the rest of our lives. Like I say all the time, I'm kind of a difficult person to know. I'm, I got a lot of complexities, but more than that, I trust a very small circle. I hold my heart, my cards pretty close. And, um, you know, I don't show my whole hand all at one time. That's just sort of how I am and how I roll. And maybe that's my old wounds. I don't know. But when I say I'm getting burned out, odds are really good. Depending on who you are, you've only seen a corner of the shit I'm dealing with. (laughs) Right. Right. We see the tips of the icebergs of others. Shit, people. We so, so often, unless you're doing a lot of diligent work, you're seeing the tip of your own fucking iceberg. Absolutely. And there's so much underneath it. There's so much going on. There's so, and so this is why we really just don't have time to be com- comparing anything. So, yes. like, when you are being being compassionate and you're witnessing, that's super helpful and saying, Hey, you know what? I understand that this hurts and it's possibly like debilitating for you, or maybe it's even killing you. I don't necessarily know how to help you, but can I hold your hand? Can I hug you? Can I sit with you? You ain't got to do nothing else. You don't have to build a sanctuary for this person to go to. I mean, if you can, by all means, get busy. Yes, <laughs> like bring incense. Because we need all those places and spaces. Yes. But to compare and say, you know, yeah, you're not going to walk into a, a bereaved parent's grief group and start talking about how you lost your pet or your band. Because that's, you know, those aren't the same thing. Yes. But if you have some homies and they were in a band and y'all, their band broke up and you understand what that means, you are the perfect person to hold space for that because you know how hurtful that is. I know how hurtful that is, you know? Yes. Like, because it meant something to you. You put your, you, you put a lot of your energy, your time, your love, and your effort into building this thing and it falls apart. Yeah. Like with anything, like. You know, and this is why I don't give my time away to companies outside of my own fucking home anymore, because I'm not putting that kind of time and energy into anybody else but me or my kids anymore. On that note, I'm going to quote Janelle Austin again. Please do. Grief is grief. Loss is loss. It's not about comparing losses. Your loss is your loss. 
And we can hold that too. We can hold that too. There's space for all of it. I'm going to go ahead and say it one more time for the motherfuckers in the back. (laughs) Because I have a lot of pets and we just added two new mascots to the team. Bunnies. Bunnies. (laughs) Um, Is that when you hold space, don't compare. Don't say, I know how you feel because my dog died last year to a bereaved parent because you absolutely do not know what these people are going through. Yeah. Uh, Several dogs. I remember all their names. I remember what they look like. I remember, you know, what their little funky breath smelled like. Mm -hmm. Trust me on this. When I grieve, I don't, I'm not thinking about where my dog went to first grade or that they're going to miss their wedding or that they're going to miss prom or that they're going to, you know, I can, I could have left my dog at home by themselves. I can never leave my children at home by themselves until I know that they are capable human beings to do so. Yeah. So doing that, which has happened to me so many times, and I've had to say this out loud so many times. Yes, I understand that you are upset about your dog, but don't come in here talking about you understand what I'm feeling because you lost your dog, because you don't. And I'm going to go back to the magic word that you said, compassion. Compassion. Replace comparing with compassion and real healing begins. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Clinking as usual. This is grief after dark. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for still being here. Um, we really are super excited about um, season two. It's it's uh, it's coming together. And it's coming together. I have like this big giant grin on my face because I (laughs) like it seems odd to be smiling about grief, but like I'm telling y'all, a lot of the time those smiles are so fucking genuine because there is some brilliant epiphanies that have happened for me and that have happened for other people. And uh, there's some really beautiful conversations that I've been having with some really amazing folks that we're going to bring out. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I have, I have chills. It's going to be fun. And we're going to laugh a lot and we're going to learn a lot of shit and I'm super excited. I think you guys are going to like it and, you know, we'll keep you posted and stay tuned for more randosodes and, you know, general good shit. <laughs> general nonsense and fuckery. Let's go. <laughs> nonsense and fuckery. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Dee. Thank you. I, I love, love you. you.